celebrate all the moms today. We are going to do that. I can tell we've got some new folks here today. And the reason I know that is because they said, oh, are you wearing pink because it's Mother's Day? I was like, sure, yeah, because it's Mother's Day. I never usually wear pink, ever. Um, but, uh, but we're so glad that you're here. Now, again, I know that today is a, a celebratory day. We, it's a great day. We have a, um, a gift for all the moms outside. It's really, really awesome. So you definitely want to take one of these on your way out. I'm not going to show you what's inside, but it's very, very cool. Uh, but I know that um, today can also be a day where maybe you're missing your mom. I know that I'm uh, missing my mom. Maybe, maybe you're struggling to, uh, to have children. Uh, maybe uh, you're grieving the loss of a child. Whatever that case is, uh, just know that we want to be praying for you. Uh, even though today is a celebratory day, we know that today is also could be a tricky day for some of you. So if, if that's you, uh, you all have a card uh, on, in, in your packet, and uh, we would love to be praying for you. So if you could write down your prayer request, we would love to be praying for you. And if today is especially tricky, please let us know uh, so we could be uh, praying for you. My name is James. I'm the campus pastor here at uh, South Hills, South County. And it is Mother's Day, and it's a big day for a lot of, of you moms out there. Uh, you know, again, one more time, if you are a mom or if you're like a real entire say a big thank you for all you did to help raise all of us. So thank you. Awesome. Uh, now, when I was a kid, I grew up thinking that the, to be a mom or a family looked a certain way. Uh, you know, I thought when I was a kid, I was like, I, I have a feeling that, that this is how you're supposed to have a family. And my, my impression was largely based on TV because I was raised on TV. So I thought everybody's supposed to be like family ties or growing pains. That's, that's how families are supposed to look. Or I'd watch reruns all the time in the Brady Bunch or the Partridge Family or Leave it to Beaver. And I was like, that's how families are supposed to look. So when I was a kid and I kind of would dream about what it would be like to someday be a parent and have kids, uh, I thought it was going to look like this. Do we have that clip there? Leave it to Beaver. Starring Barbara Billingsley, Hugh Beaumont, Tony Dow, And Jerry Mathers as the beaver. That's what I thought. Now, moms, is this what you do? Do you put on your finest dress? You put your pearls on, your high heels? Dads, you wear your suit to wake up the kids, and the kids wake up with gleeful smiles, and, and their sheets are perfectly around their body, and they have their pajamas? Is that how it really looks? I don't think so. I found something that looks a little bit more accurate. Can we show that, please? Hi! Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Welcome to my home. I, I could not believe that you guys invited me to be on Lifestyles of the Exhausted and Overwhelmed. Come on in. So we're going to go into the dining room. Here is our dining room table. This is where my family fights in the evenings while we forcefully put food into our pie holes that nobody likes. Tons of fun. We do a lot of fighting here. This is the kitchen, which is the heart of the home. And let's be honest, it's <laughs> my least favorite place. Uh, I prepare all of the food for my children here. They refuse to eat it. They think I'm poisoning them. Uh, the sink is always full of dishes. My soul dies a little bit each time I come over here. So come on over here. This is the living room. 
This is our couch. It used to be white, <laughs> but I have three children. So it's covered in feces, urine, and maple syrup. This is the laundry pile. It permanently lives here. I do three to four loads of laundry. I rarely have time to sit here though, so why don't we go on over into the bedroom? I'm gonna show you where the magic happens. So this is the bedroom where the magic happens. Right here is where the clothes end up. It's a big pile of laundry that never actually goes into the hamper. <laughs> However, it's right next to the hamper. Here is our bed. Notice there are two comforters, okay? True love means not having to share a blanket or touch another person while you're sleeping because that's just gross. This is where I come to cry. Uh, I try to get at least 10 to 15 minutes here by myself away from the kids. Uh, I can shut the door and I fit right in, so it's, uh, it's perfect. So come on in, this is the bathroom. This is where I uh, come to urinate. Uh, here's the toilet, don't look in there. There's a doodle somebody forgot to flush. This is the shower. The second the water turns on, somebody has a crisis, uh, math homework, you name it, and they need me. But um, this is more time than I've ever spent in my bathroom, so we should probably just go to the next room. So this is the kid's bathroom. Please don't touch anything and hold your breath. This is probably the room that I spend most of my time in. Uh, I do endless amounts of laundry here. And if we're being honest, it's completely soul sucking. So um, let's just go someplace else. And I'll just show you Brian's room. Um, this is his bed. Uh, he's allergic to it. So why don't we go uh, out to the den and we can wrap this tour up. What do you say? Thank you guys so much for coming. I hate to rush you out, but my children are gonna be here in like five minutes. So it was a blast being on Lifestyles of the Exhausted and Overwhelmed, but you have to go now, okay? All right, have a great day. Now you gotta go, bye. Yeah, I would say yeah. I would say that's more the reality, right? Moms, I mean, come on, like, you know, that's, that's really the, the way the, that, that, that it looks a little bit more realistic. And the thing of it is, is that I think that we all have a ways of thinking that that's how it's supposed to be. You know, but that's really how it really is. But we think of, oh, no, everything should be perfect and right and perfect. You know, we look on social media. We don't have reruns as much, but we have social media where every picture looks like a Christmas card. And it looks great. and Everybody's happy and it's perfect. And everything is, and, we, and we're constantly judging ourselves with that. And then we have all these different people that we're trying to live up to. Moms, you know this, dads, you know, you know, you know this where, where you're supposed to gluten and no sugar and nothing really like that. And they have to do this all the time and, and do that. And they can't look at iPads. They've got to look at books all day. And so then when we go to those people's houses, we have to tell our kids to lie. Oh, hey, um, what did you have for breakfast? We had Fruit Loops with extra sugar. No, you had, you had Raisin Bran and it was delicious and it was great. And I never look at iPads. I just finished A Tale of Two Cities and I'm six years old. It's okay. You know, we want to make them like, no, you got to lie to make it to where we know what we're doing. Because we have all these things that we're trying to hit, all these markers that we're trying to hit to impress all these people. To say, no, we're doing it right. We're being mature. We're being responsible. And it's not always easy. It's not always easy at all but we're exhausted trying to fit what everybody else expects us to. Now, this isn't new. This is actually from, we get this from the Old Testament. Now, we know that the Ten Commandments, we know the big Ten Commandments, actually 15 commandments, if you've ever seen History of the World Part 1, uh, Moses drops five, and then there's ten. Um, but we have Ten Commandments. Those are the big Ten Commandments. But actually, there was 613 laws back in the Old Testament, 613. And what would happen is uh, the rabbis would take these laws 
And then they would kind of translate that into people, and then they were kind of understanding, okay, I, I like And we all kind of tend to interpret the law, so I'll follow this rabbi or this rabbi or this rabbi. And we all kind of tend to do that. And rabbis all had a different perception of what the laws were, much like what we do today in churches. I could be teaching you something that another church is teaching at the same time, but it's going to sound a little bit different because my interpretation might sound a little bit different. Overall, it's the same, it's the same idea. So they would go to these different rabbis to get to, you know, uh, like, for example, the, the Sabbath talks about nexus, the Sabbath. Well, some people could look at the Sabbath as a day you do nothing, a day of pure rest. But some people's version of a Sabbath is, you know, going on a, a 10K or something. That's like their version of a Sabbath. That's a terrible idea for me. It's like, what? It's like, why would you do something like that? But for some people, that's, that's my version of rest. That's how I relax. So everybody has different interpretations of what it is. What they called it was a yoke. And we're going to talk about this. Each rabbi's set of rules or interpretations, it was their expectations of how you should live. It was called a yoke. We're going to talk about this because Jesus uses that word to define what he has for us. So each rabbi's set of rules or interpretations, their expectations of how you should live was called a yoke. And if you follow that rabbi, you followed that rabbi's yoke. But Jesus uses this analogy in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28, and 30. He says, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, again, we all subscribe to someone's yoke, but Jesus invites us to do it in a way of life-giving, not life-taking. Now, you might be carrying the wrong yoke this morning. The reality is, is that we've all taken someone else's yoke and interpretation of how you should live. We're supposed to live this way. We're supposed to do that. That's how we're, you know, we're, 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 we're supposed to, you know, uh, have this car or live in this area or eat this food or whatever. We're taking someone else's interpretation of how you should live. We're doing that to this day. But when Jesus says, take my yoke, he, what he's saying is he's talking to religious people. And he's essentially saying, I know you're trying to do the right thing, but the way you're doing, the, but the way you are approaching this will destroy you. So take my yoke and let me teach you. I am humble and gentle. And the reality is most yokes are not. They are harsh. They're difficult. And if that sounds like your life, Jesus is inviting you to, 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 to take some rest. Maybe you're here and you're exhausted. And you're tired. And the odds are is that you're not taking on Jesus' yoke. You're taking on a lot of other yokes. You're trying to impress or, or, or help all these different things and different people. But you're exhausted yourself. And your, your tank is empty. You know, in our community today, being exhausted is actually a badge of honor. You know, I've actually talked to people about that. They're all, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm exhausted. That's great. means you're doing awesome. How's everything? How's the business going? Oh, the bu- I don't even have a day off. That's fantastic. You must be really killing it. We are rewarded for being exhausted. Sometimes I'm actually guilty. I feel weird if on my day off, if somebody goes, what did you do? And I say nothing, I feel like they're judging me. Like, you did nothing at all? You're so lazy. What's your problem? It's, it's, a, it's, it's like you're telling somebody that they're not very valuable. And it's hard in this culture and in our society because we are a community in a country that we like to do. We like to strap on our boots and go do it. You know, I, I heard someone literally say this one time at a Bible study, a person who has been a Christian forever, and they literally said this at a Bible study. They said, well, you know, the Lord only helps those who help themselves. I'm like, where did you get that? What's in the Bible? No, it isn't. Benjamin Franklin said that. 
It is in chapter 1, verse 1 of whatever Benjamin Franklin was thinking that day. It is not in the Bible. But we tend to think great things. We've got to do this so we can be important and valuable and tell all these people all these great things that we've done. You could do that in a lot of different areas. Now, I'm not saying do nothing. I'm not saying do nothing. But I am saying say yes to the right things. When Jesus is calling his disciples, he simply says, follow me. He doesn't say go do all of this stuff. He says, follow me. It's really, really simple. Just follow me. God loves you with an unsurpassable love so you could do nothing to earn it or lose it. So a lot of times we're trying to impress God. We try to even do that at church or in ministries or in things like that. We try to be really impressive and, and do extra and do more. But really, whatever it is that you do for God, it honors him. He will still love you. Right now, we have a lot of exhausted people in our church. My boss wants me to do things this way. My spouse wants me to do things this way. My kids want me to do things this way. People want me to do these things this way. The church wants me to do things this way. My Bible study wants me to do things this way. All these things, and you're, you're going in 50 different directions, and you're trying to make everybody happy, and you're trying to please everybody, but it doesn't work. And it's no wonder we're exhausted. You know, right now, we are in a community that is in serious debt. Most of your neighbors have maxed out credit cards, most likely. Why? Because we're trying to live up to what it looks like to live in South Orange County. We're trying to live up to having that car and that house in that neighborhood. And the kids have to wear these clothes, and they have to be in X amount of soccer uh, things, and X amount of football things, and X amount of baseball things. Why? Because the, 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 the Smiths down the street, their kid is, is like a you know, stud in soccer, so we've got to have those pictures on Facebook too. And we've got to do that too. And, we, and you know, we've got to max out all of our credit cards, and let's go on vacation. We've got to go to Europe. Why? Because the Johnsons went on vacation, and they took all these pictures. And to be a healthy family, we've got to do that too. And we're trying to stay up with everybody else. And the reality is we don't have the means to do it. But we're trying. Why? Because we're living for all these other approvals, all this yoke. Jesus invites us to say no, though. And this is really, really cool. Today we're going to learn how to say no. Moms, today, you're going to say no. People, we're going to, you know, and, and, and when people go, well, where did you get that from? You could say, Jesus. Well, you're going to say no to me. Where did you get that from? Jesus. It's okay to say no. In fact, Jesus understood his limitations. And I love this passage. And I, when I was studying about this, this today, I, I, I love this passage because it shows Jesus' humanity. This is really cool. So in Luke 12, 13, 14, these guys are having an argument. And they said, um, and, and, and they said, Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus, Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you two? He didn't say, okay, I'll do it. I'm Jesus. I have to do everything. He said, who appointed me the judge or arbiter? I, you know, figure it out. He said no. He said no. He knew that one day he would have his spirit with us and, and we would all be there, but he knew his limitations as a human being. John 6, 26, 27 says this. Jesus said, answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed a seal of approval. He's not telling them, I want you to starve to death. But what he's saying is, you're, you're coming to me because you saw this sign for food and you're asking for more food. But no, it's not about the food that I just performed this miracle. It's about my words, it's about who I am, it's about trusting me, it's about following me. And he said, no. 
Mark 1, 32, 30, 38 says that. This, that evening after the sunset, people brought to Jesus all the sick and also drove out many demons but at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. I'm going to park on that just for a second. So there is something going on in all of our lives right now. There is a spiritual realm that's happening for sure. And the, and the Bible just says this right here. Jesus said, I didn't want the demons to speak. Why is that? Because he wasn't prepared to let everybody know exactly what he was doing. And the demons knew exactly who Jesus was, and they were frightened of him. So there was something going on that nobody else can see, but Jesus clearly saw. The demons knew exactly who Jesus was, and he didn't want them to speak because he didn't want it to get out yet. He, want, he had a certain way that he wanted to deliver that. There's so right now, there is stuff going on. You hear a spiritual warfare. There it's, that's real. There's stuff going on right now that you can't see. But he says, very, very early in the morning, while, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. What did Jesus say? Let us go somewhere else to a nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is what I've come to do. Jesus knew that he is God, but he also had human energy levels. He could have stayed and did all of these things and helped everybody else, but he knew, I've done what I had to do here. I'm tired. I've got to go here now. If Jesus knew when to say no and when to say, I, I can only do this much, then we should too. The problem is we don't do that. We love being liked. We love being respected and looked up to and admired. And if that means being exhausted and doing everything for everybody, so be it. It's okay. It's okay. And Jesus saying no Everything that I am doing is to give you an idea of how I want you to live. Jesus is an example to us. Jesus definitely could have said, okay, I'm going to have legions of angels come and do all this stuff. But he didn't. He chose to be human. And he did that so he can give us examples of how to live. Now, we have to learn to say no. It's not because we don't love people. It's not because we don't care about people. It's not because we don't want to make an impact. It's because, well, yes, maybe we can we know that our humanity reaches its limits. We all have limits. We do. Are you exhausted today? Most likely you're exceeding your limits. If Jesus knew when to say no and was still good, even when he said no, then you need to learn to say no also. Now, I know this one is really, really tough. How do I say no? Um... This is a hard one, especially when you look at success. But, like, let's just say um, when you're just trying, to, just trying to get through life. How do you say no? This is tough. But it's something that we all have to learn. Now, you could say, well, that's easy for you to say, Pastor James. You know, you're, you're a pastor, but I'm in the real world. Do you know 50% of churches fail in the first five years? 50% of churches. So that means one out of every two churches are not going to make it. 50%. Either you do or you don't. It's a coin flip. And that's not easy. Why? This job, although I make it look really cool, <laughs> is so hard. It's so hard. Because it's not just coming out here on a Sunday and, and giving a message. It's tough. It is hard. And most, unfortunately, they won't make it. I am so, 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 uh, we are so blessed uh, that we have an awesome church like South Hills who believes in us, who gives us resources and help, and we've got campuses all over the world, and we all help each other, and that's important. That's key. But a lot of those ones that are out there doing it on their own, I just, 
I pray for them constantly. I love pastors because I know what it's like. But now that's, that's hard. Now let's take it to the other extreme. What if you see, um, and then the problem is that person or that pastor feels, I've got to be successful all the time. That pastor loses reality. Because that pastor says, oh my gosh, everybody wants me to pray for them. Everybody wants me to marry them. Everybody wants me to do the funerals. Everybody's coming to me for answers. Everybody wants to hear me speak on the weekends. It's all about me and be, I'm being so good that that success is causing them to be more exhausted. One out of every ten pastors uh, will not make it. Just straight up. And a lot of those are successful. Before I started this church, I uh, went and I researched what makes pastors fall. What makes, them, uh, what, what makes them fall? What makes them lose it? And the reality is, is that, they're, they, that they're successful. A lot of them that, that, that mess up are successful. But they think they have to be everything to everybody. And then, they, and then they're trying to portray this thing. Where they just can't. They burn out. The first thing I did when I started this thing is I put people around me. Make sure that, that I'm not doing this by myself. I don't have all the answers. A lot of times when you hear my messages, you're going to hear me say things of not to do. I want to be very real with you. This is an authentic church. I want to be very honest with you about what I'm not very good at because I don't want you thinking that I'm somehow closer to God. You're close to God as you want to be. Not, I mean, you know, I'm not a, some sort of a superior being. Now, <clears throat> this is a way in a lot of other things. I, I love, uh, I, I grew up and I love skateboarding and, and, uh, I don't know if you know this, I'm actually a great skater. But anyways, um, that's for another time. <clears throat> but um, uh, there was a skateboarder, his name is Tony Hawk, and he's a great skateboarder. And um, the, in an interview, he said, I wanted to retire. I wanted to quit in the mid-'80s. In the mid-'80s, is that, that's when it was really exploding, and he was, doing, he was winning all the time. And he said, because I felt like I had to win. And if I didn't win, I wasn't good. I had to win, or if I'm not winning, I'm not good. And that was tough. Another skateboarder, Rodney Mullen, uh, he, uh, he said actually he ended up throwing away all of his trophies. He actually took all of his trophies that he won and he threw them away. Because he's like, you know, if I'm not going to be successful, I can't, I, I, I can't, I can't. The, the only thing that's, that's holding me down is I have to be successful, I have to win. And it brought him back to things that he didn't want to do. Now... This is going to be hard. Okay, so when I was preparing this message, I wanted to give you guys a really, really, really great story about my mom. Uh, my mom is awesome. She was great. In fact, Mother's Day is a little bit tough because I miss her a lot, but she was, she was just great. I, I, she, I was very close with her. Um, we, were, we were really, really tight. In fact, here's my mama. Do we have a picture of my mom? There's my mom. There's my mama. And uh, she's amazing. And I came up with about three or four really cool, inspiring mom stories. They were just great. And it showed how awesome she was. Um, and I'm like, I didn't know which one to pick, which one of the great mom stories to pick. I wasn't sure which one I wanted to pick. So I actually picked something that did not make her look very good because I was uncomfortable with it. And when I was preparing, I, there was something that really hurt me about uh, what she did. And uh, it was something she wasn't very good at. And when I was uncomfortable with it, I said, that's the one I need to tell. I've got to go there. And I didn't want to, to be honest with you. But my mom, <clears throat> while she was an amazing person, and she was an amazing woman of God, um, 
I didn't know her very much growing up. I didn't know either of my parents very much because they were both working all the time. Uh, to be once of dead. My mom never ever once did homework with me or my dad. I don't have any memory once of them doing homework with me. They were gone. That was part of the deal. Part of the deal was they are going to be involved in their business and they're going to love you as much as they can when they're around you. And we're going to talk about Jesus a lot and they're going to give you a strong uh, foundation. But other than that, we just didn't see him. And it grew up to the point where um, it was very, very painful and very hard. And I had to figure things out on my own. And so I, uh, uh, I continued to grow up. My parents got divorced. And then I really saw how my mom was. And I said, wow, she's so amazing how she's handling it, how she's so on fire for God, how she's so connected to God. I love that. But at the same time, I saw her even less. And I ended up moving out of the house at 17. I basically became an emancipated minor. I was gone. And she allowed that to happen because she basically knew, I just don't have the time for you right now. I've got all these business things that I'm doing. And she was great. My mom was a phenomenal business person, unbelievable with numbers, great at marketing, just unbelievable at that. But I never got to see her. And when I got to talk to her, it was awesome because I only, you know, she had all this great knowledge, but I only got about two minutes, maybe three minutes at the most before she goes, sweetie, I got to go. So I didn't get a lot of time with her. The best time that I had with my mom was when she was dying because she was forced to stay home. I never saw her. I never talked to her. We didn't have a, a lot of conversations. I loved her, and I knew she loved me, but, but she, was, she was always gone. And so when she was dying, that was the time where I actually got to spend time with her and talk with her, and I loved it. It was, it was great. It was, it was like I knew God was, was going to take her. I felt like God was going to take her. She was getting worse. She had leukemia, and uh, she's going through all of her treatments, and she was home, and that was the time where I could talk to her and, and get close with her. And so one day, we're, we're having lunch. I brought her some lunch, and we're talking about life, and we're having a great time talking. It was awesome. And um, uh, she, um, I'll never forget this. She was looking down uh, at the table, and I was cleaning the dishes and everything. And uh, she was looking down, and she said, I'm sorry. And I was doing the dishes. I'm like, what, what do you, I, I thought she didn't like the food. So I was like, what do you mean? She goes, I'm, I'm sorry. And she wouldn't look at me. She kept looking at the table. And I'm like, sorry for what? Did you not like that? I don't understand. She goes, I'm just sorry. And she just started bawling. She just took this little napkin she had, and she was just crying in her napkin. And I couldn't understand why. I said, you don't have to say Sorry. I don't understand. I thought it was the medication that was making her weak or tired or confused. And I was like, I don't understand why you're so sorry. And I didn't for years. Now you fast forward. My mom passed in 2010. Fast forward to 2016. I'm working at a church. It's a really giant church. And um, the senior pastor is a really well-known guy, kind of a celebrity guy, you know, he's real well-known. And the church was really well-known, and it was really big. And I was the campus pastor of this uh, lot of property. There was a lot of land there and everything. And it was kind of a, a big deal in the, in the, in the, in the, the, within that church. It's a big deal to have that campus. It was kind of a cool thing. Um, so we had worked really, really hard. I was the campus pastor. And from 2010 to, to now fast forward to 2016, in those six years, we had grown and it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and, and it was doing a lot of things and I was working really hard at it. And then there was a day, the time came for 
the senior pastor guy, the famous big guy, and then there's all the big wigs there, and then like, um, and then the, the company that donated the property, and all of these big wig people were going to come tour the property on this specific day, and they actually made flyers for it, and I was going to be the one that gave the tour, and that's a big honor, and I finally, after six years, got to kind of brag about all the stuff we did, right, and I'm ready to roll. In, in, in terms of a career, this is a big career thing, okay? What also happened to be on that day was Daddy-Daughter Day at the girls' preschool on the same day at the same time. And I had to make a choice. I had to learn, I had to really make a choice at that moment. What do I say no to? And I said no to being a tour of, with all the big weight guys. And it was hard. It was really hard. It was really, really tough. And, you know, all these people went on, and, and, and I felt like, man, they're not even going to know who I am. And I did all this stuff, and they're not even going to know who I am. And, and I'm not going to get escalated into what I'm supposed to get escalated into. And I'm not going to get promoted or whatever, whatever, whatever. And, and it was just like all these things were racing through my head. And I'm like, no, this is the right thing to do. And I realized why it was the right thing to do after it happened. I found this while I was preparing for this message, and it says this. I journaled this, May 20th, 2016. <sighs> Yesterday <clears throat> started a little stressful. It was daddy day at the girls' preschool, but it meant I had to miss an event I was really looking forward to. When I got to the party, the girls handed me a card with their picture and what they loved about daddy. They both said, we love that daddy always makes time for me. And we love how daddy loves mommy. Then they looked at, each, at the other dads that were there and the kids <clears throat> with their kids and held me tight saying, I love you, daddy. I wrote, being a parent is, is hard and I, don't, and I make more than my share of mistakes. But yesterday, at that moment, I felt like I did it right because there is no greater ministry I have than to love my family. That was that day. When I was preparing for this message, Piper saw the picture. She goes, oh, I remember that, Daddy. That was so fun. I'm so glad I, we, we did that. I'm not even at that church anymore. And those people would have not even known who I am and wouldn't have really cared all that much. They're good people, but they, they meet a lot of big people. Those girls will never forget that. Because if I wasn't there, they would have noticed that I wasn't there. They would have to what God said it meant saying no to something big and saying yes to what God said. This is what I want you to say yes to. Friends, that was even in ministry. I could have made some phony baloney excuse and said, well, it's technically ministry, so I have to go. That's baloney. It would have been about me wanting to get more stuff or whatever. No, my ministry, my first ministry belongs to my family. I made the right call on that. I prayed about it, and God said, that's what we're supposed to do. If you are tired, you are taking on too many yokes. And I want to invite you to do to this verse once again. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. I am so blessed that God gave me the courage and the wisdom to do what I was supposed to do. Friends, I know that a lot of things seem like you can do it. 
but it doesn't mean you should. If you're exhausted and you're tired, stop trying to please everybody. You cannot do it. And just say, I'm going to take on Jesus' yoke, and I'm going to get some rest. I want to encourage you with that. I don't always get this right, guys. I don't. I don't. Melanie is great at uh, correcting me on this. <clears throat> She's really good at that. Uh, I don't always get this right. But we are going to encourage each other. And on this Mother's Day, I want to encourage you. Don't try to do everything for everybody. Just do what you, God made you to do. Do the best you can at it. And uh, follow that. Take on that yoke to give you some rest. Let's pray. Father, <clears throat> I thank you so